Welcome back to another episode of Coffee Table. My name is Patrick Franken. I'm here with Austin Battaglia. Good to be here. Today, we're going to be talking about the Packers game against the Saints, some highlights from around the league, and then we're going to look at some of the uh, week four matchups. So let's let's start with the Packers versus the Saints. Packers came out on top. I thought it was a pretty great game all around. Awesome. What were some of your just, I don't know, first thoughts? Yeah, well, right away, it was it was fun to watch the Packers go up against a competent team. Um, and I mean that with full offense to Minnesota and Detroit. Um, but it was it was awesome to see some back and forth and the Packers playing in a tight game. And uh, it was weird that I just I felt confident the whole way through. Like even when the Saints had the lead at halftime, I felt like, wow, we still have so much better that we can do. And we went out and um, to be able to beat a team like the Saints without Devontae Adams and without Kenny Clark and without Christian Kirksey for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can argue they didn't have Michael Thomas, but either way, that's that's still a big, big game that we won on a Sunday night game, especially they were coming off a loss, so you knew they were playing angry. So yeah, yeah I, exactly. I was really excited about it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was just how we finally beat a team that people see as like another great team in the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it was easy for to look past what we were doing just because of the teams we played and now it gave a little more credibility to it. So I think you're right. And I, I felt the same way. I was pretty comfortable like that whole game. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the Rogers Lazard connection going on throughout the game? I mean, it- it is funny to me how Aaron Rodgers will find a guy and as soon as he's on the save, same wavelength, it's just game over. Cause like he's done the same thing with Jordy Nelson and James Jones who have then gone on to other teams and done. And Jordy I know was beyond his prime and James Jones was too, but we've seen what they've done on other teams and it's not what they can do when you're on the same wavelength as Aaron Rodgers. So I just, I absolutely love that he has full confidence in Lazard and it's awesome to see a guy that was undrafted and with, I think the Jaguars, his rookie year and doing nothing and then coming to the Packers and balling out. So absolutely love the confidence in that guy. It is really cool to see. And, and don't you think too, like as good as Aaron Rodgers has been, let's say the last two seasons and we were still like, especially Packer fans were kind of like, but he's not, you know, doing what he used to do. I think so far this year has shown like what we meant when we were kind of upset with the way he was playing because yes. he has taken and it to that level that we knew he could play at and he's kind of back to it. And I think, you know, cause before we kept saying Aaron Rodgers is not a top five quarterback based off of how he was playing with like, I feel like whenever we discussed it, we were never saying that Rodgers wasn't one of the top tier quarterbacks in terms of talent. It was just, if you looked at his production, it wasn't there. And now I don't know if it's just the new offense or, you know, having some younger guys running the ball and just some better play calling, but something's clicking and I, I I absolutely love it. And it feels to me, it feels a lot like how the offense and play calling has changed because for a while there, it was pretty easy for teams to know where we were going with it. And so I think it's so cool to see these, deep balls opening up again and Aaron Rodgers just placing it so perfectly like incredible some of those balls and you know that first deep one where Lazard is almost stumbling over and still catches it 50 yards down the field 
as soon as it went up in the air, and I hate to say this, but I was like, oh, please don't be MVS down there. Because I <laughs> I immediately was like, if he drops one more of these. But as soon as I saw 13, I was like, okay, let's go. And he came down with it somehow. The one thing I do want to say, on that one, like, 70-yard play where he gets tackled on the two, how does he not get into the end zone on that one? He had that such, really weird. such a big know. lead on the defender. Uh, that's the one thing where if we could just take MVS's speed and Alan Lazard's hands, we would make the perfect compliment to Devontae Adams. Yeah. Um, but and wait, that's another thing too. Not no Devontae Adams, and we were able to ball out like that. Yeah. I I do think that's that's gonna have huge like just benefits trust. down the road. Exactly. So um it, what else was there anything else offensively that stood out to you? Um, so I think we're gonna have to call out the fact that every time that I call a guy out, uh he goes out and does really well the next game. Um, and I'm back on the hype train for Sternberger is all what I'm saying. I, I know I left it last week and I completely wrote him off, but man, I love the guy and I'm all in, all in. He's pro bowl in three years. Just wait. Yeah. I mean, that's, he showed he can finally catch a ball. So that's step one. And, and, and you know, all what it would have taken is for him not to drop the ball in week two. And we won't be talking about him at all. It would just be like, Oh yeah, he's that second string tight end for the Packers. But the fact that he dropped, you know, week one and week two for him just to make like a simple fullback catch, it well, was a big deal. Exactly. Like he was wide open on both mm-hmm. of them, which is why it just kind of seemed like, Oh man, maybe <laughs> is he not cut out for this? I don't know. Well, and the best part for me seeing it was when he comes back to the huddle and Aaron Rodgers is just, you could tell he was cracking jokes and smiling at him. And then you saw him on the bench, like saying something to him, which immediately let me know, like, okay, Rogers will throw to him again. Like that's exactly. And I feel like with that, he, I saw him like laughing and joking a little more than usual with like everybody. It was the whole game. Yeah. He's just having fun. Very positive vibe going on. He's like, I'm just letting it rip. Yeah. I I don't know what it is, but something happened this year. I'm not going to speculate on his personal life or anything, but something happened this year that just opened up his game to a whole new level. I totally agree. And before kind of going, keep going into the Packers stuff, what did you think of um, the Saints offense? Yes. I, like sep- separate from our defense for right now, what did you think of how they looked? I mean, if I'm a Saints fan, I'm worried. Um, I thought their offense looked great for how great it, like for how lack of a deep ball Drew Brees has. Because it looked like how Tom Brady has looked the past two years with the I, Patriots. Where it, I couldn't believe that. He kept getting the ball out of his hands so fast, but but I just could not believe. I mean, if you look at the game, I'm looking at next-gen stats right now. His longest completed air distance was 36 yards. He never threw the ball beyond 20 yards down the line of scrimmage. Like, didn't even attempt one. And then if you look at throughout the regular season this year, so throughout three weeks, the average intended air yards of his passes is he is last in the league with 4.8 yards per attempt. If if you want to compare that to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is averaging 9.6 yards per attempt. Uh, Let's see, Joe Burrow, 8.6. Tom Brady, 8.1. If you want to hear that second to last is Jared Goff, 
at six yards per attempt. Wow. So, so about a yard and a half there, or what was he at? Yeah, so Drew yard? Brees was at 4.8. And then second second last is Jared Goff at six. Dude, it, it blew my mind how much he looked like, like I was saying last week, Bob Rivers had to like put his whole body into a throw, and it just looked awkward to only mm-hmm. get it like six yards. Breeze looked like that on every throw. I mean, and I get on some level dumping off to probably the best running back, one of the best running backs in the league. I mean, Camaro was right. rocking us, and he's obviously a special player, but watching him try throwing it farther was tough. I mean, it kind of bummed me out. Well, it, and it looked like he saw some of them, but he just didn't have the same trust in his arm or something. I don't know what it was. Yeah, and I guess, you know, hopefully we'll find out soon if Michael Thomas makes a difference for that. Well, and I think that's the key is, you know, some of those short routes that he threw to, uh, I can't even name some of their other receivers, but some of those short routes that he threw, you could just tell the timing was off or there was something weird there where it wasn't the same. And they don't have that same after the catch that Michael Thomas has. Yeah, that's true. Um, so let's look at the defense for the Packers. What did you think of that through the, yeah. the whole game? So – you know, of course, there were some lapses here and there, um, and it did seem like the one thing I'll call out is the tackling was awful. Um, I mean, we missed, what, six tackles on one run uh, by Alvin Kamara, so or one reception. Yep. Uh, so that's something that I'm scared about. Losing Christian Kirksey was a huge blow. Um, I thought and- Summers did relatively well, though, given – I mean, he's a seventh-round I- draft pick. Yeah, and he had never played a defensive snap in the NFL. Exactly. But that's also my worry is now we have a guy that is clearly not at the same level as what we're expecting our defense to be, and he's has to be the guy that makes every tackle on this defense. So, um, you know, he did end up with nine tackles, but that's mostly just because the position he's playing where you have to make the tackles every time. Mm -hmm. So – I, he's going to have to really step it up over the next few weeks um, if we want our defense to stay competent here. I um, mean, it really hurts that Kamal Martin's been out this whole time because yeah. I would have loved to see him at least filling in with Summers there. Yep, being able to switch off a little bit more. And, and the big question is, what the heck is Oren Burks doing, man? Like, I seems like he's just a special teams guy now. I don't yep. know. I, I think that's his label. If if he can't get on the field at this point, then I think I, I think we're pretty locked into him being a special teamer. Yep. That's, uh, but that's exactly what I was thinking too. I mean, outside of that position, I was I was hoping that our secondary would like try and make Drew Brees beat them downfield a little bit more. They kept giving cushion on some of those throws where I kept being like, "Why? Why give up a five yard curl route when you could try and force Brees to beat you over the top?" But um, that's something that Petten will have to look into. Yep. And I totally agree with that. Pa- pass rush wise, I thought the Saints did a really nice job of taking Zadarius out of the game, except for one play where, and I don't understand why the Saints try to do the two quarterback thing. Um, I mean, to their credit, I do get nervous when Taysom Hill comes out there, but that's also because Drew Brees can't throw down the field. Um, yep. Well, I mean, and that was a great play. Isidarius. Yeah, I mean, it, just to it, rip him up and pick up the ball immediately was pretty cool. It was. And so I, I'm putting way too much on that one play in terms of the Saints. But 
I also I, thought it was pretty cool to see Kiki step up, get a couple sacks. Like given, like what you said, they're taking out some of our the guys we'd expect to be getting sacks, and so to see him, I I just thought it was cool because it wasn't necessarily like oh he was unblocked or oh he blew through somebody. No, he he was where he was and would like run around when he noticed mm-hmm. an opening. And, and the first one, I think he just bull rushed the guy up the middle and got to breeze. Like mm-hmm. that's a huge, that's, that's very tough to do. And, you know, you know, I'm going to show a lot of love to Kingsley Kiki, gig him. Um, a lot of Aggies oh, out. I totally forgot that. There, <laughs> there's awesome. a lot of, a lot of Texas A&M guys out there. Uh, Sternberger, game. Sternberger catching the ball, Kiki getting two sacks and from the saints, they kept talking about Eric McCoy, the center that was running downfield on that Kamara block. Yep. That's another Aggie right there. That man was fast. And that actually, those were all rookies last year, so they're all second-year Aggies in the NFL. That's Which awesome. Goes to show that the Aggies just can't figure it out when they're in college. I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> they're just waiting to get to the league, man. They don't need to put the work in. Yeah. But no, uh, overall, the defense, I thought, you know, I know we gave up 30 points, but it was to a great play caller and a great team. Um, and honestly, it's just going to be about getting takeaways. It kind of has that feel of 2010, 2011, where we're going to be giving up yards. I just, I think that's, especially if you look at the rest of the league, everyone's scoring or calling less holding penalties, holding penalties are way down for offense. So it's going to be, there's going to be more offense. So it's just a matter of, you got to make the big plays, get sacks and get turnovers in order. It's interesting that. You brought that up because watching the highlights from a lot of these games, I was like, well, I don't remember seeing this much offense the last couple of years. I mean, I'm definitely paying more attention to the league as a whole, but I'm just surprised at how much scoring is being put up across the board. Mm-hmm. And, and a big one is just holding because a year ago, the referees placed a huge emphasis on calling that early on in the season. And this year it's down like a whole bunch, like the most we've seen in, and I don't, have the actual stats in front of me, but I think it's the most we've seen in the past 10 years or something in terms of the lack of holding penalties. Um, and there is one run by, uh, shoot, I've, I can imagine the play, but I'm forgetting which team where one of the guys literally tackled a defender and the running back just scoots into the end zone and it just, you know, nothing happened. It's just, that's the NFL now. So, uh, Kind of bring it back to the Packers defense. I wanted to run one thought by you. I'm kind of wondering how you do you think Kenny Clark fixes this problem? Because I noticed after you said you like to watch like the line or watch one guy, you know, on plays to just kind of see how it's going. I kind of noticed that our line, especially on runs, was just getting stood up or stuffed back. Like there was Mm -hmm. no penetration or even just knocking guys back a little bit. Do you think Kenny Clark is that great? I mean, I know he's a good player, but can he alone fix that? So I'm not going to give a good answer on this one way or the other, but I think he can to a degree. There's still there's still going to be some things that we have to fix and align with our defense, but Kenny Clark is one of those rare two-gap nose guards or defensive tackles where when you say like he's a two-gap nose, that means he's so good he can bench press the center and account for both a gaps on either side because he's that big, strong, and fast where there's very few guys that are two gap defensive linemen like that. So, okay. um, 
Kenny Clark is one of those where it's like when he's in, you either have to double team him or have, you know, a Quentin Nelson type player account for him, or you, you pretty much have to game plan around him. And then that leaves guys like Zadarius more open more to do open. what they want. Um, okay. So that makes sense. That does open it up. However, I still think, you know, there's plays where Zadarius is roaming around and doesn't really have the discipline on some run plays where he's, you know, gets washed down or washed out one way or the other. Um, and like you said, our, our D line doesn't have that same push. That's, you know, the Rams D line or the chargers D line is going to have on certain run plays. Yeah, exactly. Um, was there anything else you noticed or that stood out to you from the game? Ah, uh, I mean, one thing I will say is I'm pretty tired of any time that Aaron Rodgers gets a hard count, how, the commentators have to talk about how he won't be doing this to teams. If there was fans, like, can we just, that was pretty funny. Can we just all admit, like there's no fans anywhere or there's a lack of fans everywhere. So all the teams are dealing with this problem. It's not like having no fans is this crazy boost to the Packers. I, I just, that part started. And he's to, been doing the hard count forever. I understand yeah. he got them a little more than maybe usual against the saints, but, he, but he's also been doing this for years. He's also not the only quarterback that uses a hard count. Like, I, I don't understand. I get that he does it better than anyone. But, like, every team has this option to try and do the hard count. It's just do it better. It, it's not like, you know, it's not like if Aaron Rodgers throws the ball in the air and Lazard catches it, they go, oh, well, if the crowd was loud, Lazard won't be catching it like that. Like, no, he's just good at catching. Like, that's – I'm getting pretty sick of that argument. Maybe they should start doing that. <laughs> for every single play until it's out of their system. All right. So we're feeling pretty good about the Packers. Let's go back to some storylines kind of leading up to the season or even at the beginning of the season, see what you think about them now. Um, starting with obviously the idea, we talked about it a lot that the Packers should have added a receiver to help out Rogers. Where are you landing on that statement now? So Up three weeks in. So I'd like for – I'm going to have you take a side, and then I'm going to try and counter it. So um, I'll, I'll let you start off with this one. Well, I mean, I still like where we're at. I wasn't that concerned. I understood it would have been better to draft one. But even after the draft, I wasn't that bummed just given who was available or just the way the draft was shaking out. Um And I really like what Lazard showed last year. I still believe in MVS a little bit. And I just don't think a rookie receiver would be able to add much more than either of those guys at this season. I guess you could argue. Um, Leave that part to me. I'll, I'll do the argument from the other side. Okay. All right. So that's where I'm at on that one. What do you think? All right. So I'll take the other side here and I'll say, like, yes, we are doing really well. But it would also be amazing if we had a guy that was pretty talented that we could throw out there um, at the receiver position. Because as great as Lazard's been playing, he's not the type of guy that's going to shift a defense. Whereas some of these other guys that have been balling out for teams, and I'm not saying, you know, if we had drafted Pittman or Claypool or Denzel Mims or anything like that, that they would be shifting a defense. Um, but it would at least give Rodgers another weapon to see if he liked or not. Um, and I do understand Funches probably would have been that guy. Uh, and it stinks that we can't see him out there, but I, it still could have helped our team just, especially given the fact that 
Dylan and Love aren't going to be doing anything for us until three years from now. Um, well, I guess Dylan next year, maybe, but hopefully we're not seeing Love out there for a while. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, so number two storyline, Aaron Rodgers will play like an MVP because he's angry um, and kind of the backstory of that too, or just that the Packers and Rodgers are kind of angry at each other. Things aren't going well. So do you want me to start with that one too, or do you want to take that one away? Yeah, so I'll start with this one. I guess we're probably going to end up on this. I don't know what other side there is to say other than, yeah, those that predicted that he'd be pissed off and playing well. Um, it does look like he has that chip on his shoulder again. Uh, and I don't think there really ever was a beef between Rodgers and the Packers. I think it's a business and he's always realized that and the Packers realize that. So they're making business decisions out there. And this whole Rodgers and Lafleur beef has never come to fruition. I don't know where, you know, that's, that's just a whole media playing up Aaron Rodgers type of deal. I, I've never understood that one, but I think he is playing. I'm not saying he's MVP right now, but he's playing like an MVP. Um, and I mean, if he keeps this up, we're going to keep winning games. Yep. And honestly, we've been saying that for a while. And so I completely agree with everything you said. And I, haven't really shifted on it at all. Um, we got two more here. The idea that the Packers, you know, being more worried about their offensive line, given that we obviously lost Bullock. And so do you think – I'm sorry, we lost who? I'm not going to do it. You can do it if you want to. <laughs> uh, we lost Brian Balaga, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to get you to say it. <laughs> no, I couldn't bring myself to do it um because i didn't start his name with the right voice either it wasn't deep <laughs> enough so i was like well i'm already out um so what do you think after seeing a, a few games uh, you know not talking about the kind of contract aspect of it but do you think we should still be worried about our line uh all right so are you going to take the other side from what i take sure all right. Well, I'm saying Packers should not be worried about the offensive line. Um, given the way that we've played the last three weeks, Rodgers has barely been touched. Um, and we've, you know, the Saints are a pretty good defensive front. And, you know, apparently the Vikings were supposed to be a pretty good defensive front. And for the past 15 years that we've seen with Aaron Rodgers, he finds a way to stay in the pocket or get outside the pocket um, and that offensive line and the offensive line coach have always done a great job of next man up mentality. And Rick Wagner has stepped up. Elton Jenkins is still a dominant beast. Lindsley is awesome. And then we have arguably the best left tackle in the league. So even after losing Brian Balaga, Iowa, um, we're still doing great. And Aaron Jones is running over everyone. You know, I said I was going to take the other side, but after you say all that, and I realize how little Aaron Rodgers has been touched, I don't really think there is another side. I mean, can you think of anything? The only argument I would make is that losing uh, Lane Taylor put us at, you know, really shallow depth in terms of the offensive line. But Okay. Um, I, I guess that just, you know, that's going to happen. I don't know. That's not something that I would be, like, really hammering for being worried about. Yep. Um, okay, so last one, really quickly. Regression is inevitable given our season last year. What are you thinking about that storyline right now? 
So I think, and this is this may be a hot take here, but the whole regression is inevitable. Let's throw it. I'm going to kind of reverse that and say, yes, we were 13 and three last year, and everyone said we're the worst 13 and three because we won close games, and you know we should have been 10 and six or whatever. What if we were actually 13 and three? And we just hadn't hit our full potential yet. And that's why the games were so close. And now we're actually that 13 and three team. That's just dominating teams. Like we dominated the Vikings and lions because we're now just that good team. So maybe it's not regression backwards, but it's regression to what our potential actually was. So um, yes, I, I was fully on the bandwagon of regression is inevitable because I didn't think that, we could really match 13 and three. That's a very tough season to match. But right now um, I think it's a very much a possibility to stay right around there and fight for that one seed. I kind of like that. That's, that's a solid way to look at it. The what, kind of what I was thinking coming at it is because that was so close, maybe a regression is literally just losing two more games, but we're mm-hmm. playing better and winning easier. And so I wouldn't really see that as regression as a whole, but just kind of a, it's difficult to win in the NFL. And so we're bound to lose occasionally. I mean, that's yep. just kind of the way the season crumbles. So um, that's, that was kind of the way I looked at it. And I guess that was one that never really disturbed me that much. I was, I like that team. Yeah. All right. So um, going into our offensive and defensive player of the week does not have to be you know, the best performance, but just some other guys we want to talk about since we could probably talk about the Packers forever, but we should talk about some other teams. So let's start on the offensive side. Who did you have as the player? of the week? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was driving a lot on Sunday, so I had to rely on watching it throughout the week um, to see who I liked, but I was able to watch a full game on Monday night and, you know, I'm done calling out Russell Wilson as my player of the week. So I'm going to go with Pat Mahomes because watching him pick apart the Baltimore defense was uh, that guy. If he keeps up at this rate, he will surpass Brady as the best quarterback ever. I mean, it's, he it's just has, crazy to watch. he has all the tools and he's, you know, when he gets blitzed it, the Baltimore defense, first of all, is a great defense. Second of all, they were throwing zone. They were throwing man. They were throwing blitzes at him. They were dropping back. They were pressing up. It did not matter what they did. He had an answer for everything. And then anytime they were like, you are going to have to throw a perfect pass to beat us over the top. He threw a perfect pass. So that, I had the, the, those passes were so perfect. I, I don't know how you beat them. I, I, I keep trying to figure it out. Andy Reed and uh, that chief's offense it's just they have the tools. I I literally had no idea how you defend that offense. Well, and that's what's so weird about that Chargers game. Like, I, I feel like maybe – not maybe. I overreacted a little bit to that being a close game. But, um, you know, good good teams are going to have a game that's so-so. And I think mm-hmm. this just showed it's like, nope, they're still the best team right now. I don't know how you could possibly think differently until we see a team, um, you know, in that top tier – crush them like that I think that's what it would take because even in a close game I'm like well next time I'll still pick the Chiefs yep I I mean I I don't see a team that can beat them in the NFC or AFC it's going to take it's going to take some weird fluke game where I I don't know what happens but 
you know, and also that Baltimore team, I know some other media members have said it, but they're not built to come from behind like that. They're built nope. to establish stop a, lead a team and, and stop. Yeah. So, but man, Mahomes just looked incredible. And I mean, it's only a matter of time before Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for that team, some of those plays that they had were just, you know, they would get everyone looking outside for a screen and then throw one into the middle to Travis Kelsey and he gains 12 yards. And it just, they made everything look so easy. You know, that shovel pass to Ricard for the touchdown, just and putting Tyreek Hill in motion where it scares the bejesus out of any defense. I just, I was so impressed with that chiefs offense. And then to throw it all on the top is you have the best quarterback in the game. It, it's going to be a long season for that NFC West of it or AFC West division. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, for me, I went with Justin Jefferson, who I guess oh. kind of talking about that wide receiver conversation too. Wow. Did he look incredible? A few of them, he was wide open, but mm-hmm. he, I mean, I think, what was he over 150 yards had a couple touchdowns. The guy had a, two catches with guys on him draped on him where he just turned around jumped up snags the ball and i was really cool to see with how dysfunctional kind of the vikings offenses look that he was still able to perform like that so i just wanted to give him a shout out oh i mean i i wanted him from the start of i was just hoping that he would fall and uh when i was watching the draft with sam Littman, and you know sam really wanted to hit him on the eagles and then they drafted jalen rieger instead who might turn out to be great, but I just remember thinking Justin Jefferson would have been perfect on the Eagles. Um, but then, yeah, I was pissed that the Vikings got him, but that kid can ball. And watching that happen in this whole past week really makes you realize how good that LSU team was last year. With yep. Joe, Joe Burrow balled out. Uh, Edwards Elaire balled out. Patrick Queen balled out. Justin Jefferson. And that's not even including, like, uh, Kayvon – or what's his name? The – edge rusher for the Jaguars and so many other guys that are being drafted by that team. It, That's a really, I, I seriously forgot those guys were all on that same team and yeah. that they're all starting out and crushing it is pretty wild. It, it really is. I mean that their offensive and defensive coordinator were both running pro systems. So it's just, they're fitting in right away. That's pretty sweet. Um, so let's switch over to the defensive side. Who did you have uh, for your player of the week or just performance to watch? Yeah, it's getting tougher and tougher because teams are scoring so many points. Right? Um, I felt the same way. I just, you know, I was looking for some good stuff, and and it's tough because it's like, I, you know, if your team's letting up 30 points, it doesn't feel like you deserve player of the week. But And I, I don't want to give it to a guy like, you know, Xavier Rhodes had two picks and one was a pick six, but uh, I ended up going with uh, Shaq Barrett for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Your man. Going against the uh going against his old team of the Denver Broncos and he ended up with two sacks, six tackles, three tackles for loss and two quarterback hits. One of those sacks being a safety. So um he piled up the numbers. They won pretty big. It was 28 to 10. So they held them. I mean, granted it's the Broncos, they had Jeff Driscoll starting, but uh you know, he put up a bunch of numbers there. That, nice. that Tampa Bay defense, like we predicted, is is pretty scary. It'll mm-hmm. be interesting when the Packers play them. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, I ended up going with Xavier Rhodes, mainly because of what you said of who are we really going to pick. And mm-hmm. for me, it was more of 
not necessarily the two inter well, two interceptions were nice, but it also put him on the map for me again. Like I forgot yep. he was even on the Colts. So I was yeah. like, oh yeah, wait, this Colts team could really like be really scary, even though they don't seem like they've reached that point yet. And mm-hmm. this isn't really, you know, the part of the segment because we want to call out people that did well. But I wanted to point out the Falcons defense. I don't think I've ever seen something <laughs> so atrocious in my entire life. And I had thought just briefly, and I'm sure we'll get into it more because the Bears are one of our next week's games. I thought Nick Foles had like played lights out. And so I started watching some of the that second half. That is not what happened. The Falcons just I don't even know. You can't you can't describe what they look like. If you look at the timestamps of when each touchdown was in that fourth quarter, they had to do everything wrong to lose that game. Exactly. Everything. I, I mean, they were leading with like eight minutes left. At, still at by this the point, points. At, at this point, how does Dan Quinn have a job? I, that blows my, you, there's no way he can turn that. Like the only thing is I know they were talking about, they have four starters that are injured right now, but in a game like that, even with that many people out, you shouldn't be, Losing where you have that big relief to the, the Bears, like I, it'd be one thing if it was to Pat Mahomes, then we'd yep. be sitting here yeah. talking about how great Pat Mahomes is. But well, and I would even take it if Nick Foles looked great while playing. Mm-hmm. But the problem was the offense still didn't look that great, and they were suddenly scoring. Yeah, it's, I mean that that Falcons defense is just. Well, I'm not going to say anything because the Packers play them next week, and I I know if I oh, say true. something it'll. Maybe I shouldn't have unlocked that. (laughs) Um, All right, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about our week four matchups and then go into my cup of joe and Austin's venti minute. We'll be right back. Here talking about our week four matchups where we pick just a couple games to look at and talk about some other teams around the league. We're starting off with, well, actually, before saying the game we start off with, we have to look at our picks. Austin right now is crushing us. He's me. <laughs> He's seven and one. Um, I'm three and five. Still pretty upset about the Falcons pick in that Bears game and the Texans Steelers one because it looked close for a while but yep you should have had me on both those and it'd be a totally different story of this week but um but you didn't and now i can say i told you so all i want (laughs) yep and i'm just gonna keep i'm gonna persevere (laughs) guessing wrong and hope something happens so let's get into this first game jaguars at Bengals. who do you got and why yeah so i think this is the game where joe burrow gets his first w um i think the jaguars kind of fooled us with that week one. I think they are a pretty crappy team, especially after seeing them get their butts kicked by the Dolphins. Um, And who knows? I I don't know if the Titans are really, or sorry, the Colts. Uh, 
that whole division, I have no idea if any team is good or bad. So um, I think Joe Burrow finally gets a win here. That offense is just going to keep getting better and better. I think the coach is um, – I think Zach Taylor's got a good offense. It's just a matter of can the defense tackle anyone. Um, but I'm saying they will, and I'm going with the Bengals. Solid pick. Um, a lot of these were super hard for me to choose. I'm going Jaguars here. I just don't like how bad the Bengals' defense is. It's so I mean, bad. They are really, really bad. And so I don't doubt that Burrow is going to look better than um, Minshew, but I just kind of think that the Bengals won't be able to put up, up much of a fight. And so I don't know. I like to believe in Minshew a little bit too and think they can make a comeback. That, that was a very bad loss to a bad Miami team, but they did look good the first couple weeks, so I'm going to give them a pass for one. And I mean, Miami did play the Bills and the Patriots, so two solid teams. So maybe it's just – maybe, you know, last year they fooled us into thinking they were bad, and then they ended up pulling out some wins at the end of the year. Exactly. I do, do like their coaching staff. And um, so, and yeah. I just kind of think the Jags' defense looks a little bit – I mean, not as bad as I thought. I know they lost a lot of guys, but they still look solid. And – I just think that's going to make the slight difference against this Bengals team. I would also just like if Joe Mixon can actually score a touchdown eventually, because I made the mistake of drafting him in both my leagues, and it's really just – it's been a yeah, bad you fantasy. you or something? Or I, I think so. There? <laughs> um, all right, so another you know game for you to extend your lead. Happy to see it. <laughs> so let's go into game number two. This one was literally impossible for me, and I think I could talk for 20 minutes about this game. What do you think of Vikings at Texans? I think Texans win. Wow. Well, and actually, <laughs> so, and here was, here's my question for you, and I think this is what made it tough for me. Do you think Pittsburgh is really that great of a team? Because, like, I came in, I know last week you kind of convinced me, you know, naming everybody on their defense. They're a really good team. I still don't see them as that, so that's why this was, I don't know, just harder for me. So do you think they're just – that defensive line is that good? That um, that the Texans or uh, God, why am I? Oh, Watson was blank was sacked so many times and it looked so bad. Like, is that just Pittsburgh being good? I think it's part. I mean, it's a little bit of both. That offensive line is garbage, as well as I mean, T.J. Watt's one of the best pass rushers in the league. Um, and anytime you have a dominant pass rusher like that, it's going to make guys like Bud Dupree and Casey Hayward. Um, Sorry, not Casey Hayward. Um, for, I'm blanking on their other pass rusher, but it's going to make it a lot easier for those guys to uh, create a pass rush and win one-on-ones. So I, I do think that that Steelers defense is, in my opinion, it's top five. Um, you know, I know the Texans put up 21 on them, but that's a pretty average amount for an NFL game. So I, I think the Steelers are good. I they're not at the level of Ravens or Packers or kind of that second tier of teams. Mm -hmm. I would put them in more of like a playoff team. Um, okay. Not sure how much farther they go than that. So I think I'm, it's going to take one more week for me, or I guess, you know, if they don't end up playing another week after that. So I'm going Vikings here because the Texans are the worst rush defense in the league. I think both these defenses are very bad. And the fact that the Vikings run looks so good. And last week it looked like they got some of their pass back. They're not great by any means, but 
just mm-hmm. in terms of a serv- serviceable football team. They finally looked like they had an offense that could do something. And so I think when it comes down to it, they just need to get a couple sacks and then they can just run out the clock on this team because the Texans can't, can't stop anything. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I just, to me, I can't get the Vikings like I, well, both these teams haven't won a game and the Vikings to me, just, I don't know what's wrong with that, that secondary. And I just oh, think the secondary is horrible. It's just, Absolutely. they are they are really bad. And so I, when it's two teams that are both bad, but one has a superstar quarterback and one doesn't, that's where I throw the difference in there. Um, and I that, see, that's where I struggled too. Cause I also looked at the coaches and I was like, I'm going with the Vikings. I'm going with Zimmer way now, over O'Brien. Do you think there's one coach that's more on the hot seat than the other in this Mike Zimmer versus Bill O'Brien? It's, it's definitely O'Brien mm-hmm. in terms of being more on the hot seat because they're a team that keeps kind of making it to the playoffs. They just made it incredibly questionable offseason moves. And well, and then, I think part of that is he's the GM. Exactly. So it's, you know, he's putting himself in a position where they still suck. Whereas, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer is just inheriting a team that, you know, lost a lot due to opt-outs or trades or, you know, I – so I, I agree with you there that Bill O'Brien, if he goes 0-4, it's going to be real tough for him to not lose his job after this year. But I, I still am going to say the Texans did play the Chiefs and the Ravens, and I still think the Steelers are a solid team. So, Yeah, uh, and, and that's the other thing. I seriously went back and forth on this every second because I won't be surprised if Texans crush them because of the schedule they've had, and maybe they just look bad because of but looking at some of their stats defensively and just looking at how much Watson gets sacked, I just, you know, I'm going to pick the Vikings because I thought they looked pretty solid last week. That's fair. I mean, it'll be wrong again, but that's fair. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I think it's safe to say, and the listeners all know, I'm wrong on everything I say. So feel free to go with the opposite. So we're going into game three here. I'm just fingers crossed that we're going to pick the same one on some of these. Bills at Raiders, who are you going with? Um, I think we're we're watching uh, the start of a quarterback turning into a superstar in Josh Allen. Um, and the Raiders, to me, just seem like a team that's going to end up nine and seven. And I'm just going to be like, yeah, they were, they were good this year, I guess. Uh, whereas the Bills seem like a team that's way more fun. And watching Josh Allen – there's some plays where it's like, what are you doing? And then it's, it somehow works. And there's plays where you go, what are you doing? And it doesn't work. And so he's just got to eliminate a few more of those and just become a little more consistent. And then, you know, he's going to be right there with Deshaun Watson. And uh, in my mind, being like right below that, like Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. Because I think those guys are clearly, you know, it's Mahomes. Then you look at the next tier of Rodgers, Wilson, Jackson, um, and then below that is kind of the Watson, and I think Josh Allen can move up into that range. So I, I I'm taking the I'm taking the Bills here. I agree with all that. I think Allen last week looked incredible against a Rams defense that we think is pretty good. And I know Aaron Donald got to him a couple times towards the end there, but the way he's able to move out of the pocket and they slow down a couple where then he'd set and just bomb a perfect throw downfield. Um, it's just really cool to watch. And I kind of think the Raiders are attempting to be the same thing as the bills and are just 
you know, a few years away if they're able to do that. They just, just seem like a C version. It of just the seems Bills, like right? I, I can't trust Derek Carr to be that next level guy. He yeah. seems, he reminds me kind of of a Kirk Cousins where, yeah, he'll have some big games, but I'm never going to trust him to become a superstar. Um, and I don't have a good reason for it other than, I guess, his track record. So, yep, I totally agree. And the one other thing I wanted to point out about Allen, just because I wrote it down, was I don't know if you saw in those highlights that floater to Diggs. And it, it was only for like 20 yards, maybe, but I don't know how he placed it there. You know, it was one of those throws where I was like, this man, he's, I mean, it's <laughs> he's just got cool. something. He's got exactly. that it factor. And exactly. And from what I've heard, he sounds like a great leader on that team and guys respect him. And that's a huge part of developing as a quarterback is having that respect to the locker room. And, um, and one thing I will say, credit to the Bills for actually saying, we got a great quarterback here. Let's go get a great wide receiver for him. Um, and yeah, it's clearly making a digs. difference. It's almost like if you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, it would just make so much sense to bring in a guy like, I don't know, I'm going to throw this out there, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, one of the best yeah. receivers in the – I'm just going to keep bringing this up. I That would be a great receiver <laughs> to have on that team. I, I think Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins – I know I've told you this before, and I forget who else I was talking to with you, but um, I just think that would make such a great pairing. I totally agree. All right, happy for, for to see that, that. For those that don't know, they used to play together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just happy we picked the same team on that one. Uh, <laughs> it was getting it. stressful. It, it was. was. It really was. <laughs> and, I, and I knew you were going to go Texans with that other one, but I just wanted – I knew, I was like, I'm going to be different. Hey, you got to make up ground somewhere. got to let me fly, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, all right, so let's look into this last one, Colts at Bears. Who do you got? Yeah, so last week I went with the Bears because I said they're facing a team with no momentum in the Falcons. And this week they're facing a team with momentum that actually is competent in the Colts. And I think the Colts are going to smack the Bears. I think it's going to be, you know, I know Nick Foles is starting, so there's even more vibes going on that the Bears are going to think that they're good. And Jimmy Graham scoring touchdowns, so he's probably on cloud nine. And I think they're going to run into a Colts team where the defense is flying around. I know their receivers are getting hurt left and right. Uh, and hopefully former Madison Memorial athlete, Darius Fountain can pop off yeah. for a game. So here. I got he a couple had, catches. He had two catches last game. So shout out to another Madison Memorial athlete. But uh, I think the Colts take this one and take it by at least a touchdown. I totally agree. Um, I noticed the Colts last week looked to take kind of a stride on offense. Rivers even looked a lot better. The way he was throwing he the ball, it almost looked like he just needed to be warm, like get warmed up or something. Um, well, if you need a warm up game, play the New York Jets. That's <laughs> that's perfect. true. Seriously, and um, they're like, I mean, same thing you said. They look explosive on both sides of the ball. And when I dove into the Bears' offense, like I said earlier, I didn't think they looked great at all. I think that last fourth quarter said way more about the Falcons than it did about the Bears. I think this will probably be more of a statement game all around, and I think the Colts are going to be coming out on top. Agreed. Any all predictions right. for Packers-Falcons before we jump into the next one? Monday night game? So, I mean, I'm kind of – I think it'll be similar to the Saints one, honestly, like because I still think they have an explosive offense. And I, my, 
I'm not completely like our defense gives up points. Mm-hmm. And so to an explosive offense, we're going to give up points. I just think that defense is so bad that we'll come out on top pretty handily, maybe a little more handily than against the Saints. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm worried about Ty Summers trying to tackle Todd Gurley. Um, but I mean, Alvin Kamara is better. So hopefully another week of practice with him leading the defense gives us a chance to him and Petten to gel together. And so, yeah, I think Packers win by two scores. I'm saying around 10. That sounds about right to me too. All right. So going into our last couple segments, I've got my cup of Joe. It can be a hot take, cold take. It's kind of up to Austin to decide. And this week, I'm not even sure what you're going to, I don't know what you're going to think of this, but (laughs) I'm prepared to say that without Kamara and now that Michael Thomas is out, that Drew Brees career would be over right now. I think this is his last season. I think the only reason he's sticking around is because he's got such a great team. He does not look like he can play professional football anymore. And, you know, it might be too hot of a take after seeing one game, but it genuinely concerned me how little he could throw that ball. All right. My analysis on this, I'm going to take a sip of it. I think, I don't think this is your hottest cup of Joe. I think, can, can I counter with something? Sure. I would have been all in on it being a hot cup of Joe. And I probably would have disagreed with you here. If you said the saints should plug in Jameis Winston instead of Drew Brees. What are your thoughts on that? I'm saying it. You're saying it? Put Winston in. That's a hot cup of Joe, Patrick Franken. Put I, Winston in. Get that deep <laughs> ball going. And you know what? I I can see the argument there. I and don't think I would do it because of just the way that he's getting the ball out quickly and still moving the offense. But I, I do see the point. Eventually, you're going to face a team that makes him throw over the top, and he can't and to do someone it. not that that isn't Camara. Like obviously, yeah. he's incredible and can make so many people miss. They showed that. Graph I don't understand why the Packers tackles. just didn't double team Camara. Like, yeah, it was pretty weird. Um, but it's interesting you say you see the argument because that's another thing. Winston can now see. <laughs> so we haven't seen post LASIK Jameis. Exactly. You haven't seen a young man who can now see the ball, see the receivers out there crushing it. He and, knows and the defense from the offense now won't be throwing so many <laughs> interceptions. I mean, just label him post LASIK Jameis, and I think that's going to be his nickname moving forward. And he's, he's got a great team around him. You can still use that whole Taysom Hill madness whenever you want, but exactly. throw, throw Jameis in is what we're saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like that's that. My, that's the hot cup of Joe, baby. <laughs> All right, so let's head into Austin's venti minute. Gets to talk for a couple minutes about just any topic he wants of his choosing. What do you got, Austin? All right, let me just line it up with the timer here and go. All right. For this one, I'm going to give my three coaching comparisons to actors um, for football. I'm going to use college and pros. I'm going to try and stick away from guys that have played coaches because that's just cheating. All right. First of all, Cliff Kingsbury for the Arizona Cardinals. This one's the obvious. The guy looks like Ryan Gosling. So if you're making a movie about Cliff Kingsbury, you're throwing Ryan Gosling in there. I know he did play in a football or he acted in a football movie, but not as a coach. Number two, if you're trying to get Vince Lombardi, I think Tom Hanks is the dude to go with. 
I think he would make a great, okay. great old school football coach. I would love to see Tom Hanks in a Vince Lombardi role. I think that'd be a great movie. And then my last one, this one's a little bit more controversial. Mike Leach, the Mississippi State coach that is super crazy, Shia LaBeouf. And that's wow. a minute. You know what? I'm on board. <laughs> I kind of like that. That's kind of fun. And I could see Shia LaBeouf being able to just do the random tangents he goes on of just stuff that well, means nothing and just let her ramble for a little bit. Right? I just, I was thinking about it the other day, like what actor is like Mike Leach? And I was like, because Shia LaBeouf can still be a good actor. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And Mike Leach can still be a good football coach. You know, his teams score a lot of points. But then as soon as you get them off the field or off camera, it is like, what is this dude? Like, not even who, but what is this dude? So so maybe just to clarify, is this you're like describing who they're like or who would play them? I think a little bit of both. Okay. I wonder what you think of Matthew McConaughey for Leach. I think he's a better rip like that. I thought about that, but he coached Marshall in We Are Marshall. Oh, so, good, good call. So I had to take, but that is that did come up in my mind, but it didn't fit the fit the rules there. Yep. No, I like it. At first, I was like, why did he add that rule? I can't really think of that many. That's good. <laughs> well, yeah, because you really just have Denzel and him. I don't know of any other football. I, uh, I, the replacements. Yeah. I forget who the coach was. The Rock is the coach in that one. Um, Gridiron. Gridiron Gang. That's it. Yeah. I was going to do uh, athletes, like try and ma- say like Tom Cruise is a running back. But then I thought about it and I don't want Tom Cruise as a running back. So I went with coaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Thanks for taking us through that thought process. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how you come up with this stuff, but I hope uh, everybody liked listening to this episode. We've got a, an NBA one coming up soon where we're going to talk about the first game of the NBA Finals. And we will see you guys again soon. Thank you for listening.